Hello. We're really glad that you've joined us. We hope that you're doing well. We're glad for your interest in spiritual things. I'm Ethan. I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples on the west side of Los Angeles. In Psalm 22, David cries out, beginning in verse 4, In you our fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. In Psalm chapter 81, 81st Psalm, verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Verse 4. For it is a statute for Israel, a rule of the God of Jacob. He made a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called, and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. And Psalm 107. The whole psalm, we're just going to read a few of the opening verses. Oh, give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of Yahweh say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to Yahweh in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. We see here in the Psalms this sentiment that is actually seen throughout the Bible, from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation of how God delivers his people out of trial and struggle, and is able to work powerfully in and through his people to accomplish his purposes. And there's this theme throughout this story that stands out. The people of God cry out to him in prayer. He hears them, and he delivers them. And so as Christians, we do well to consider the history of the people of God, and how they prayed, and how God answered. And that helps us in many ways to ground our prayer life, and and the kind of things that we need to keep in mind as we pray. And and this comes from the very beginning. In in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 26, uh, the author is telling us, uh, uh, Adam gives birth to Seth, who gives birth to Enosh. And in the days of Enosh, we're told that people began to call upon the name of Yahweh. And, And this certainly probably refers to things beyond just prayer, but it's certainly no less than prayer. And calling out on to God, even with, from almost the beginning of humanity. A great example of God's deliverance of his people involves the Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 2, beginning in verse 24, we read concerning uh, the time when Israel is in Egypt in slavery. In Exodus 2 and 23. During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew 
And so when God, Yahweh, calls Moses, we read beginning in verse 7 of chapter 3, that Yahweh says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land. In Deuteronomy 26, 6-9, and Joshua 24, and verse 7, 1 Samuel 12, and verse 8, and as we read it, Psalm 107, 2-7, this act is, is repeated in terms of, as a reference, that the people cried out, God heard, God remembered His covenant faithfulness, God acted to deliver His people. So often we emphasize the covenant faithfulness of God in terms of the fact that he remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and, and delivered the people, and that's well and good, but we need to remember that, that the way Israel saw it and the lesson that Israel was to gain from it was that they needed to cry out to God in their distress, and then God would hear. God remembered the covenant promise, and God would deliver. Even in later generations, when they are set, beset by different foes, that was the lesson that they gained from the Exodus. Moses often prays and intercedes for others, and things happen. He prays to Yahweh in Exodus 30, and the flies depart in that plague. In chapter 15, he cries out because the water is bitter, and a log is shown to him by God. Who He throws in the water, and it becomes sweet, it becomes potable. Uh, the camp will burn in Numbers 11:2. Moses will pray, and the fire will end, and... Because of Moses' prayer in Numbers 21 and verse 7, God tells him to make the bronze serpent so that the people can look upon it who have been bitten by the poisonous serpents there and to live. So, so many times God is willing to, to provide deliverance for Israel in the wilderness, even though Israel in the wilderness certainly does not deserve it because they are certainly not living by faith in 1 Corinthians 10 and other passages. Uh, this is also clear in the Judges cycle in Judges 2 and verse 18 in which the judge's author explains that when Israel is prosperous, they serve other gods, they uh, are then sent into captivity by God into some foreign power who oppresses them. And that when the oppressor comes and oppresses, the Israelites will repent and cry out to God. God will hear and God will deliver them through a judge. And so we see this over and over again. Uh, we see this with the Mesopotamians and Othniel in jo- Josh, Judges 3.9, chapter 3, verse 15. It's the Moabites who are pressing, and God raises up Ehud in chapter 6, 6 through 7. Uh, the Midianites are oppressing, and God raises up Gideon in chapter 11. The Ammonites are oppressing, and God raises up Jephthah. Uh, God also raises up Samuel. Samuel himself is the product of a prayer. His mother Hannah prays fervently in chapter 1 of 1 Samuel for a son, and Samuel is that son. Uh, He will cry out to Yahweh uh, for the people when the Philistines are near to them in 1 Samuel 7, and Israel gets victory over Philistia. In 1 Samuel 8, when the people want a king, Samuel cries to God. In chapter 15, that king hasn't been very faithful, so Samuel cries out to God. And soon after, uh, Samuel is instructed to go anoint David to be king after Saul. In the Psalms, David will affirm that he's cried out to Yahweh and God has given him deliverance in Psalms 18, 6, 30 and verse 2, 31 and verse 22, and 34, 4 through 6. We've read in Psalm 22 how he testifies that the fathers had trusted in Yahweh and that Yahweh delivered them. 
And in Psalm 66 and verse 17, he sees circumstances where Yahweh delivers those who pray to him and gives voice in Psalm 107 to praise God for having delivered Israel time and time again. The king Asa of Judah in 2 Chronicles 14, 11-15 finds himself beset by Nubian foes. And he cries out to Yahweh in the midst of his distress and he is given victory in battle. Elijah is the preeminent example of prayer according to James in James 5, 17-18. And we can see how many times he prays. When the widow of Zarephath's son dies, he prays and the boy is brought back to life in 1 Kings 17. In the contest with the priests of Baal, he prays to God, and God brings down fire to prove that Yahweh is God, not Baal. He prays for the rain to return, and it comes in 1 Kings 18. Even in chapter 19, he'll pray for death, but God will not give him that. He instead gives him sustenance and points the way forward that through the work that Elijah and Elisha will do, God will exterminate the service of Baal from among his people by exterminating the house of of, of Ahab. Elisha proves faithful in prayer as well. He prays for the son of the Shunammite in 2 Kings 4, and he is brought back to life. He prays for the servant's eyes in, in the sixth chapter that he might be open, and he sees the host of Yahweh all around them. Jonah, in chapter 2, after he is rescued from the deep by the big fish, he prays and thanks God for his deliverance while in the belly of the fish. Hezekiah in 2 Kings 19, 2 Chronicles 32, and Isaiah 37 is in a very dire situation. The king of Assyria has conquered most of his land, is besieging Jerusalem. The king of Assyria has already conquered the land of Israel, has conquered all kinds of states uh, between Assyria and Israel and Judah. And he he declares confidently, who is a God who can deliver you out of my hand with, with some confidence? When Hezekiah is, is told of these things, he just pours himself out to Yahweh in prayer. Yahweh listens. And the angel of, the, of, of Yahweh goes and kills 186,000 of the Assyrian army. And Sennacherib limps back to, to Nineveh and has to only say that he had shut up Hezekiah like a caged bird in his city, but could not get the glory over Jerusalem because God rescued him. Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, is known for his wickedness. He is the reason why Judah will be cast into exile. But when he is cast into exile in prison for his idolatry, he recognizes his condition, he repents, and he prays, and Yahweh restores him. God restores him to his kingdom. The prophet Jeremiah, in the midst of the distress between the sieges that would lead to the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple and all that Jeremiah had ever known. He's told by God to go out and to redeem a piece of property from one of his kinsmen in the land of Anathoth, Benjamin. And he does so, and in chapter 32 of Jeremiah, he's crying out to God, wondering what on earth is going on here. Uh, this devastation is coming. Why are we buying and selling land? But it's a very important event, because it's a sign for the future, that there will be times when buying and selling of property will then happen in Israel. That even in the midst of this great distress and the great trauma of, of, of the destruction of Jerusalem, that God is promising deliverance, that the people will come back if they, in, in, in the future.
Daniel is known for his prayers. In Daniel 2, he prays when uh, he hears that he's all, they're all going to get killed because the king's dream wasn't discovered, and God tells him the dream. And in chapter 6, the whole premise of the reason he's thrown to the lion's den is because he has been praying to God consistently, even though those who were against him conspired to have him break the law in order to do so. And God delivers him, and is not nearly so kind to those who made these accusations. In a very telling statement, chapter 9, when he re- David Daniel realizes that the time had come for the seven years of exile to end, he immediately turns to God in prayer, confessing the sins of him and his people, and is shown the future of Jerusalem. Ezra prays when he hears about the intermarriages among Israel, makes a confession of sin, the people here and are convicted and put away that those foreign women in chapter 10. Nehemiah prays when he's telling the king what's going on, Nehemiah 2.4, and he has a prayer confession made in the day that he is in charge of Judah. It highlights how God has delivered his people in past times and the sinfulness of the people despite all of that and the desire for forgiveness, which is a very touching thing. And, and the realization that Israel is coming to terms with who God is and, and what he has done and, and what that's supposed to mean for them going forward. And in the Esther, in chapter 4, when Haman's plot is made known and they're all condemned to death, Mordecai and Esther pray and fast and through God's providence are able to deliver the people from that uh, tragedy. In the New Testament, in Luke chapter 2, Simeon sees a promised child who would save Israel and immediately prays to God. Jesus himself prays continually in his mission, Luke 6, 12, 9, 28, going to the Father constantly in prayer. He prays for children in Matthew 19, 13. He exhorts his followers in Luke 18, 1 through 8 to pray fervently and to not be weary in prayer. He prayed in John 17 for the apostles and for us for the strength of the apostles, that they may abide to stand firm, proclaim the faith, and that we would be one as he is one, uh, because we have heard on Jesus because of their word. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he prays for deliverance. He prays that if it may be possible, let the cup pass from me. But in the end, he prays that not his will, but the Father's will be done. And so Jesus is able to secure deliverance for the rest of us, because he was not delivered himself. The apostles in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, remain steadfastly in prayer between the Ascension and Pentecost. When Stephen is being stoned, he cries out to the Lord in Acts 7. Cornelius and Peter see an angel in a vision while they're praying, respectively. And the angel tells Cornelius that his prayers are a testimony before God, and this is why he hears of the news of salvation in Christ. While Peter is in prison, the church is praying for him, and an angel comes and rescues him from prison. While in prison, Paul and Silas are singing and praying at midnight in Acts 16 in Philippi, and a great earthquake happens, and all the doors of the prison are opened. But Paul and the prisoners do not move, and the jailer is so moved that he uh, learns the way of salvation and is saved. When Paul was going to visit Jerusalem, and in his prison detention, prayers surrounded that event in Acts 21. And in Revelation 8, verse 4, the prayers of the saints are as incense before the presence of God in heaven. As you can imagine, the smoke of incense filling a room, so the, the throne room in heaven is envisioned as filled with the smoke of the incense, the prayers of the saints. And so there's this constant, persistent theme, as we've seen throughout these all these many examples, lots of examples, to show 
that God's people pray and God delivers. And, and there's a reason we've gone through all this, and this may seem boring or irrelevant, but it's not. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, we're told about the, the hall of faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, all these people, how they lived by faith. And that's absolutely true. And we should obviously learn from their examples of faith. They're commended for their faith. But what did our faith motivate them to do? Many of these very same people we've, uh, are the ones we've talked about. Men like David, Samuel, Judges. Moses, these people are motivated by their faith to pray, to cry out to God, because they believe that God is and is a rewarder of those that seek Him. Hebrews 11, verse 6, and that's the way we should be as well. But what's fascinating about this particular aspect of prayer and God's deliverance is that it's not limited only to these men of faith. In 1 Corinthians 10, we are warned about following the same example of disobedience as Israel in the wilderness, lest we fall by the same temptation. And to, to cause all sorts of difficulties for us. But nevertheless, we've seen that even that generation of Israelites in the wilderness, God re- delivered when they cried out to him and they repented. Israel and Egypt was in sorry condition. And they repented. They cried out and God delivered them. In the days of the judges, Israel is not exactly a sterling reputation of faithfulness, but they turn away from some of their idolatry. They, they cry out to Yahweh, and Yahweh delivers them over and over again. And there's probably no better example of this than Manasseh. Again, Manasseh is the reason why God exiles Judah. He says that this is it. I've had enough of all of this idolatry and sinfulness. But when, when Manasseh comes to, to realize what's gone on and what he's done, and he turns back to Yahweh and repents, Yahweh restores him to his kingdom. That even Manasseh is not so far gone as to not be able to be delivered or rescued. And that's why Paul in 1 Timothy for chapter 1, verse 12 to 17, makes it clear that he is, is, is the chief of sinners. That in him, to the uttermost, the God's grace may be made known in Christ. That it is true that Christ came to save sinners, of which he was the foremost. And so, God does not deliver just the champions of faith. Deliverance can be obtained by those who turn from their ways and toward God, no matter who they are or where they're at. Romans 15 and verse 4, we're told that we can draw encouragement and hope from what has been written beforehand. And we can do that with the, with these examples of prayer and deliverance. Because there's a consistent witness in Scripture. God delivers those who entrust themselves to Him and who cry out to Him. The situation might seem dire, it might seem very hopeless. But that was the way Israel's condition was in Egypt, and Judah's condition was before Assyria. We might feel unworthy, we might feel sinful, we might feel compromised, but that's exactly where the Israelites were in the wilderness. And then these are the judges. And yet, when they repented and they cried out to God, they received deliverance. God has persistently and consistently delivered His people when they have turned to Him, away from their sins, and have cried out to Him. And we can have great confidence for that for ourselves as well. Because in Romans 8, verse 28, Paul says that all things work together for good for those who love God, for those who are called according to His purpose. And in Romans 8, 31-39, he has this extended uh, discussion about this very thing, that uh, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, how will He not also with him give us all things? Who can separate us from the love of God? That there's no external force that can do that. But yet even in the midst of that exhortation, there is this memory that we are as sheep led to the slaughter. That in Romans 8, 17, 18, that we will 
share in Jesus' inheritance if we suffer with him. So we need to keep in mind that the deliverance that God promises us may not take place in this life. Because in Christ we are rescued from sin and death. And that will be made manifest in the resurrection on the final day. And in order to obtain a resurrection, we might have to suffer. We might have to die. We might have to go through all kinds of difficulties. But we need to keep in mind that we can't rescue ourselves. We cannot deliver ourselves. That God's mighty hand is what is necessary in order for these things to take place. That God stands ready to deliver and to gain the glory. But that work is motivated by the prayers of the people of God to that end. Because if we're not praying for it, how can we expect to receive it? If we're not confessing our sins in prayer and repenting of them, as expected in 1 John 1.9, how can we expect forgiveness and deliverance? If we're not asking for deliverance from the evil one and from temptation in Matthew 6.10, how can we expect to overcome temptations in the evil one? If Yahweh delivers his people and they call to him. We need to call upon him and to praise him forever. So there's lots of examples that we've investigated. Many, many examples where Yahweh delivers his people and they cry out to him. That God is faithful and desires for the repentance and deliverance and redemption of his people even when they have not been as faithful as they could have been in the past. If you have yet to cry out to Yahweh, I really encourage you to consider doing that and to follow the ways of God, to put your trust in Him, to confess His name, to repent of your sins, to be immersed in water in the name of Jesus for the gifts of your sins, and to follow Him as a disciple. If there's any way that we can encourage you to do that too, uh, ultimately call upon the name of the Lord in Acts 20.16 in baptism, we, we'd love to do that. If you'd like to talk more about prayer, deliverance, uh, maybe some other spiritual subject, maybe you just need to talk, maybe you've got a prayer request, anything we can do to help, please let me know. Please contact me through my website at verbovitae.com. That's www.deverbovitae.com. Or if you live in Los Angeles and should learn more about the church here in Venice, we encourage you to check us out online at VeniceChurchChrist.org. We're also on a lot of social media, Facebook, Instagram, Meetup, Twitter, on uh, Venice Church or Venice Church of Christ. We again thank you. Have a great day.